Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel reading, especially verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You may be seated. Christ is risen. Amen. It is appropriate that we continually remind each other and celebrate our Easter joy that Jesus died for our sins, that he was raised to life, and that he is very much alive for us today. In our gospel reading, the disciples do not yet know that joy. Their Lord has been killed. They are afraid for their own lives, that they would be the next ones. And so they lock themselves in a room for fear of the Jews. But Jesus appears to them and they are stunned and shocked and in disbelief and overjoyed all at once. And Jesus does some interesting things. Jesus first asks for something to eat. To prove to them that he is not just a spirit or a vision, but that he is truly present before them in flesh and blood. Then Jesus begins to have a conversation with them. And not just a, hey, what have you been up to the past three days? But a conversation to teach them once again. To open their mind to the scriptures to tell them that everything that had taken place was according to God's plan and to show them what is truly necessary. He says to his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, he says, Guys, I've been telling you all along that I was here for a purpose, that they've been writing about me for hundreds of years and everything that happened was according to a plan. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Did you catch that phrase in there? Must be fulfilled? The word in Greek is day and it means must in English. Or sometimes it is translated as, it is necessary. It's a small word with big implications. And it's a signpost. It clues us in to something really important in the reading. And so when we hear it, we should, our ears should perk up. We should pay attention to what is being said. Jesus uses the phrase, it is necessary, eight times in Luke's Gospel each time talking about himself and the work that he has come to do. And so tracking through it, tracking through the gospel and seeing how Jesus uses that small word, day, helps us understand the significance of what he is saying on Easter when he uses it with his disciples. It begins all the way back in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus is just a 12-year-old boy and he has stayed behind in Jerusalem sitting and conversing with the religious teachers. 
And Joseph and Mary, his parents, are worried, sick about him. And so they finally find him in the temple. And they ask Jesus why he did this to them. And Jesus says, don't you know? It is necessary that I am in my father's house. Or that I am about my father's business, it can be said. And Mary and Joseph were probably wondering, what is his father's business? What is Jesus talking about? And why is it necessary? Well, they're about to find out. We next hear that phrase in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is beginning his ministry. Jesus begins healing people and casting out demons. And some people come up to Jesus and ask him to stay in their town because they see how wonderful it is, the work he is doing. And Jesus says to them, It is necessary that I preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And we begin to see a pattern. That Jesus uses this small but important word, day, as a signpost to point to the work he has come to do, the work of the gospel. And so we ask, what is this work of the gospel? We don't know quite yet, but we aren't in the dark for long. On numerous occasions, Jesus tells his disciples exactly what that work looks like. Immediately after Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, Jesus tells him not to tell others quite yet. He says, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. In chapter 13, Jesus says it is necessary that he finish his course, which involves going to Jerusalem, the place where prophets go to die. In chapter 17, it is necessary that he suffer and be rejected by this generation. And in chapter 22, it is necessary that the scriptures be fulfilled, that he would be numbered with the transgressors, and that he would die a shameful death. Jesus was providing great detail about what he came to do and why it was necessary. He came to preach the gospel, to suffer and die for it, and to be raised again. Now how many of his disciples do you think, if they were asked, what's necessary? How many of them do you think would have answered in the same way as Jesus Christ. Jesus, our Lord, being humiliated and crucified? No, I don't think so. I'm sure if they were asked, they would have come up with just the opposite. Jesus, it's important that we keep on healing people, that we keep on preaching, that we keep on gaining powers, and who knows, maybe even shake things up in Jerusalem a bit. And that's where it hits home for us, that what we often think is necessary is not what God knows is necessary. The disciples, although they had spent all this time with Jesus, traveling with him and breaking bread with him, they didn't exactly get what Jesus was up to. And that's what caused them to scatter like sheep when their shepherd was taken away. 
It's what caused Peter to deny his Lord to save his own life. It's what allowed for the tears of the women as they traveled to the tomb where the body of Jesus lay. And it's what caused the disciples to be locked in that room, hunkered down in doubt and their spirits troubled. Earlier that morning, Luke tells us that Mary Magdalene and the other woman, the other women were taking spices to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body. Except they didn't find Jesus. They were greeted by two angels that asked them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee that it is necessary that the Son of Man be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Luke tells us that it was at that moment that the women remembered his words and it finally dawned on them. And this is what the resurrected Jesus repeated to his disciples as he stood among them for the first time, that it was necessary that he fulfill everything that was written about him. That all of Scripture, from Moses to the prophets to the Psalms, were pointing to him, the Christ. And his gospel was preached, his death atoned for all sins, and his resurrection meant that the grave no longer had any power over them. Jesus knew what it was that he had come to do, and he never wavered. And as he explained these things, it was his disciples, for the very first time, whose minds were opened, and they understood for the first time. They now were finally able to look back at everything that had taken place and see what was truly necessary, and it was only one thing, the man the Son of God, who stood before them, Jesus Christ. What about us? What things do we think are necessary? And how often do we check with God and listen to what He has to say? It's easier said than done. Just think about the week that you have in front of you this week. I'm sure even some of you may even be thinking about all the things you have to get done when you go home from church today. I understand. Sometimes I'm the same way too. We all have schedules that are busy and packed. We fill them easily, almost too easily, with all the activities in life. The classes, the dinners, the sports games, the doctor's appointments, the homework, the job, the families. There is so much to do, we don't even have time, it seems, to stop and ask, is this necessary? We just go and get it done. Let me ask you this. Where does Jesus fit into that week ahead of you? If someone were to evaluate your life Would they be able to tell that above all else, only one thing is truly necessary in your life, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or if a non-believer were to have a conversation with you, would they be able to tell that Jesus is so important to you? 
or maybe hitting a little closer to home, do your kids or your spouse or your family members know how important Jesus is in your life? I know there are times when it's not always evident in my life, and I'm guessing it may be the same for you. There will be a time very shortly here in our service today when we will come up to this altar and we will receive Holy Communion. And just as Jesus was present before the disciples that Easter day in flesh and blood, Jesus is going to be present here for you. And he gives you his true flesh and his true blood and you will receive what is truly necessary. Jesus Christ. And as you eat and you drink all the things in this life that are causing us unnecessary distractions, all the noise, all the hectic things, all the busyness will fade away even if just for a moment. And you will hear the words of Christ as if spoken directly from Him to you. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, my peace I give to you. You see, only one thing is necessary, eternally necessary, Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. Now there are things necessary for this life, our family, our food, our shelter, our job, our education. These things are necessary for this life, yes, but all those things are meaningless if we do not have Christ. It all comes down to Jesus. Without him, everything else is meaningless. He gives our lives meaning. Our gracious Father daily and richly provides us all we need to support this body and life. And more than that, Jesus has been sent into this world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. But it's so easy for us to keep mixing up our priorities in this life and think the things of this world are necessary and not His Son. At least it's very easy to act that way. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't stop giving Himself to us. As He stood before His disciples, He once again was offering them His peace and forgiveness. And He said to them, You are My witnesses. Go proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in My name to all the nations. And the Holy Spirit will be sent to you and give you everything that you need. And we see that's exactly what happened in our reading from Acts chapter 3. The disciples, especially Peter and John in that case, were preaching to the very people who crucified the author of life. And even to them, he said, your sins are forgiven. Repent now and receive all that God has to offer you. And Jesus says the same to us today. No matter your sins, no matter where you come from, no matter how many times you forget me, I do not forget you. And I give you everything that is necessary. And the Holy Spirit is sent to you and will give you all you need. Our resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ delivers that to us on a daily basis. How can we not thank God enough for that? Jesus forgives us, 
He strengthens us and He leads us in the lives that we are to lead. And He reminds us and gives us the one thing truly necessary. Himself. Jesus Christ our Lord. In His name. Amen.